0: morning. This podcast may contain mature language, so if you're not comfortable with that, earmuffs. And now, The Moment with Brian Koppelman.
1: Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. This uh, is really exciting for me. Ellen Barkin is going to be here soon. I first uh, saw Ellen Barkin in the movie Diner. I think I was in 10th grade. I've talked about Diner a lot on this podcast. Um, It was absolutely one of the movies that influenced me the most in terms of becoming a screenwriter, in terms of the way uh, I saw the possibility of friends interacting over a long period of time, the jokes in that movie, the way those guys related to each other. And the way that they dealt with the women in their lives and the way Shrevy dealt with Beth, Ellen's character in particular, was like endlessly fascinating to me and has remained so since the movie came out in 1982. Since then, of course, Ellen Barkin became an enormously successful movie star. She's one of the finest actresses that we have. She's an incredibly brilliant woman, a uh, businesswoman. She has directed her own career, I think, largely. I'll talk to her about it. Made her own choices. She's a producer as well. And getting to work with her on Ocean's 13, uh, the day that she walked onto that set, I turned to David Levine, my writing-directing partner and you know lifelong best friend. We grew up watching that movie and quoting it together. And, uh, and we just cracked up. That we'd actually uh, we'd actually written a movie that Ellen Barkin was in. She's one of the funniest people I know. She is one of the least full of crap people I've ever met in my life, which uh, in Hollywood really sets her apart. And uh, I so looking forward. Uh, I so looking forward. Well, I'm looking forward to being able to speak. I'm so looking forward. To sharing this conversation we're about to have with you, and to getting to talk to her in a few minutes. Uh, thanks again for all the great comments uh, you guys have been giving me on Twitter, the ratings and reviews on iTunes. If you want to find me, I'm Brian Koppelman on Twitter, and I'll be back in a second with the great and legendary Ellen Barkin. All right, Ellen Ellen Barkins here. I already introduced you. Okay, um, wait, my earrings are clicking. They can click. They can clack. I don't want to do that to you. What do you? What do you need? Wait, the Eric, come on in. He's saying there's some issue. Wanna, can flip this this earphone over. Oh. <laughs> now it's on your ear. Oh, now it's you correct. So you got it. Can I? Is there need? another glass? Of, a bottle of water. Three sure. next to you. Oh, perfect. Okay. Thank you. Oh, we're a professional operation here wow. uh, at Water. So, so you were saying the 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 podcasts you you do was we were talking about this. You're saying that uh, everyone, you do everything in bed all day long. I do, yeah, yeah. What, what does that mean?
0: Well, like. Like when I go to sleep at night, I I sleep and I don't move around much in my sleep, so I have my little space. And then if you came into my bedroom, you would see like scripts and notes and pens and open iPads and research and whatever hard book I'm reading, an empty bag of Lay's potato chips, an empty can of ginger ale. It would all just be there.
1: That's great, and so you can you do you conduct part of your day the next morning for, all, from all, bed? All my day, the whole day yeah. until you go do well, something. What
0: I figure is, why should I sit on my sofa and do all my work? It's not as comfortable as my bed. Right? And is anyone's sofa?
1: Well, you, you know, no, mine is certainly mine. And I don't even isn't. have a king size bed. It's why? A queen I hate a king size bed. But you, you, you just you like to take the little sliver of the bed. You take a little sliver, just and you don't like having the rest. of it really? Yeah. <laughs> the uh, that's like very. I like the idea of you doing work, and that it's very uh, like a 1940s m- movie. I find it very Robert Evans of me. I always imagine him doing it, and I'm in silk pajamas. I was going to say, but I've seen. I, I'm, do you know? Do you know Evans? Do you spend time with him ever? I know him. <laughs> I once showed up. Brett Ratner invited me to. I'm sure, he did. Yeah, Brett said, "Come over to the hotel I'm staying at. I want you to meet somebody." And so I, Dave, and I went, and we show up. And Brett doesn't come to the door. Instead, in silk pajama bottoms and no top. Oh, fabulous, Mr. Robert <laughs> Evans! Fabulous. It was the best. It was, uh, and he was everything you would hope for. And he called us kid. And the hair was sort of slicked back, but hot, also crazy and, mm-hmm. and high. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like everything you 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 have very few of those moments. Where it lives up to you? No, it's but, uh, yeah,
0: no, it's fantastic. And you think here he is exactly as he is in my mind. In yeah, perfect. I had a meeting once with Franco Zeffirelli, and he had on a silk pajama top and no bottoms. And where did you do with your eyes? I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> did
1: you? How did you figure out where to look? Well,
0: I looked down, and he did not have uh, any undergarment on. Was he standing? No, he was sitting. He was also... um, How old was he he at that time? I was about 28. Right. And I remember because it was after Tender Mercies, and he had asked to see me for the movie Endless Love.
1: Right. Right. And he wanted you to play the Brooke, the Brooke Shield Shield role? And
0: I said to my agent, does he realize I'm 28 years old
1: and this girl yeah, is you 18? But you played 18 in Tender
0: Mercies. Yeah, but I couldn't play 18 in a full, like, you know, where right. you're, you're supposed to be a young, innocent virgin.
1: Well, yeah, when... I mean,
0: yeah. But we had this interview, which is one of my favorite stories, and I don't think I've ever told it publicly. Perfect. Um, I've never told it publicly. And... uh it was at the Chateau Marmont, and it was him in a... It wasn't a pajama top. It was like a silk men's kimono kind of smoking jacket thing. It wasn't feminine, but it was. there were no pants on. Yeah. And there was a translator. And I was there for about 20 minutes, and the translator was translating everything away. And finally, Zeffirelli reaches over, puts his hand on my face, and says in perfect english is a shame is so pretty but is so
1: old you know <laughs> that's great at 28 28 so and i pretty. said i think you mean too old not so old i do. It's an important <laughs> correction but of course you would say i mean the funny thing about you ellen from the beginning i think if i go back is you would say that crap about yourself i mean you would yes just, i would you're the first one to sort of uh, take the piss out of yourself. I would, but he was Franco Zeffirelli. I thought,
0: geez, I'm not going to like, you know, be snarky or make any jokes to him. I'm going to take this seriously. Maybe I land this terrible job
1: well yeah because i think the, the girl who should have played the virginal part i mean he was testing you probably would have said sir put your pants on could you please put your pants on? i mean, I mean yes you, you failed the audition was... right the normal hollywood edition is you take him into the back room right this was the reverse hollywood that's right. mr Zeferelli i'm very uncomfortable you go running out that's how we must cast her she's who we cast but
0: he was just sitting there the whole time like that. What do you? What do you think that? I mean, what do you think it was? I think was he a... was just in his relaxed mode, you know, but maybe just came up from the pool or something. This <laughs> is.
1: I'm so glad that you chose a podcast to tell that. To story. tell that
0: I have never told it.
1: Yes, uh, that's great. Well, we were talking. So Ellen Barkin is here, as uh, you've no doubt figured out. Thank you for doing this. You're Very welcome. You know, I would do anything for you, Brian. as I would well, for almost you. almost anything. I see. I won't even stop at Almost, Alan. <laughs> here, here's the thing: when we were saying about things not living up to what you imagine them uh, uh, to be, you know, I said in the introduction before you got here, I talked about how important Diner was, and uh, I will say that getting to work with you and having you be everything that uh, I'd hoped you'd be from moment one is, uh, you know, it's very rare because it's you're disillusioned all the time, don't you think? In this. Well, first, thank you for that lovely compliment.
0: Um, Disillusion, well, you know, part of it, I think, has to do, um, yes, there are great disillusionments, and I've had a few, where you meet someone who's like an idol, and you're just like, wow, this guy's a total prick. I mean, or you meet someone who's an idol, and you think, they're dumb
1: that's heartbreaking it's
0: it's well when i was young it happened to me and i thought and this person was a great artist and it really got me thinking about how do you reconcile that there's a part of someone's brain that is so beyond brilliant but the person is really and i mean a dummy i don't mean someone who is not
1: well educated i mean a fucking dope yeah, you mean somebody who... You're saying, I mean, you mean where you can tell that just like, it's not only the cogitation. Their their curiosity isn't even... No, yeah, even, they're just, it's just like a blank. It's a really weird thing when you find that. And are you, I'm not going to ask you who, but are you talking about someone who's in the, an actor? Um, well, uh, yes. Right. I now know who, but I'm not going to say. But the thing is, when you find no, that... No, it's not such a well-known actor. When you find that, sure. When you, of course not. It's not who I'm thinking of. It's not anyone you've ever heard of. But but it's a great artist. One that you. have uh, It's an overlooked genius. Um, who's not a genius, sadly. No, but when you when you find that uh, an artist, I find have had, had it ha- happen with musicians sometimes. That's very common. That's more common. And I mean, that's why Django is such a great. I don't know if you like that Woody movie Django, but. Uh, you know the, where where um, Sean Penn plays Django.
0: Oh yes, yes, yes. But it wasn't. Called but it's not that. called that. No, no. it's
1: called uh, the blind uh, no, the Samantha
0: S- Morton, who I love oh, so much. Oh, she's
1: amazing. She plays the she's, mute. She's brilliant. But
0: but you know what else? I think now that that whole thing of being disappointed is going to get much worse because of the um, overuse of the adjective now. So we now live in a world where it's not okay anymore to be good at your job everyone is a fucking genius. Yeah. Every movie is a fucking masterpiece. And you know m- movie critics talk about I remember there was a, m- a movie out that was like some big Hollywood, you know, studio like 100 in the this is a while ago. Like maybe 100 million dollar, you know, romp and um, I remember it uh, being compared to Citizen Kane by um, <laughs> a, 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 a very um, substantial film critic, and I just thought making the serious comparison. To oh it? yeah, yeah. And I thought, and this is a not a good movie. It's not like a great Hollywood romp. And I just thought, are you kidding me? Like, what? What's? Why does everybody have to be? Just the a genius, a, the most brilliant person, the most there's nothing there's no room for I wouldn't say mediocrity, but Even there's, for
1: very good. There's no room for very good Well, an agent said a thing to me the other day, it was a great agent line and he he said, Um, you have to understand what they're looking for is fog cutters. Oh, right so fucked up <laughs> right so his oh, point God. being He's a and by the way, for inventing that we word we put it right in the script we had some guy <laughs> in the to. financial market say to someone this thing has to be a fog cutter in the media because that that's that's a good word well that's but that's why uh everyone has to be a genius because a genius. there's so much noise that and, and then very often you know the ones where the real geniuses Hollywood doesn't even want Well. Like, and I mean not, I was thinking about it the but other but also you don't it, it, you don't listen to it anymore
0: like when I read a review that or I read something on the HuffPo which right. is my way to ease myself into the news every day I read like the equivalent of you know in style I read the Huffington Post good in bad and yes always and uh and then and then you know, I I just think, oh, there's something about, you know, the most breathtaking, like, coming right in here. Book of Mormon, greatest musical of the century, it says. Now, really? Like, I loved Book of Mormon, but the greatest you, musical of the century?
1: Like, I'm not qualified to oh, say First wait, of all, it's Young century. century. See, it's a Young Century, and it probably oh, is. Okay,
0: I think they're right but, then. Are that good?
1: But also, I think those two guys, see, I think Matt and Trey are geniuses. I do, too. I like so. But I was you thinking hold the century sti- of the twentieth century, yeah, which fine. took out like George
0: and I were <laughs> Gershwin and Rodgers and the Sondheim doesn't exist. No, they're right about that.
1: Yeah, but but I do think that um, those two guys, or Paul Thomas Anderson, or for me, Clinton. There are people who are geniuses. Yes, they are. I mean, I think Nicole Hollisent is a genius in the thing that she does. Mm-hmm. But then uh, what often happens is that if you talk to Hollywood people. They don't, uh, or people making the movies, you know, they don't want Paul Thomas Anderson to be the guy you can think of as a the genius. They don't want to have to give him money to go make his movies. No. But he's a, there are geniuses where Steven
0: Soderbergh is a genius.
1: Yes. PTA is a genius. There, those guys are, are geniuses
0: for sure. Darren Aronofsky, I think, is a genius. I love his movies. But, and the other day, what was I, oh, Huff Poe again. It's my favorite. It's my favorite so I'm watching like now I, I used to just read now I'm at the point where I'm clicking their little interviews so with all due respect to Doug Lyman and
1: the movie that's out now what's it called it has like two times first they called it Edge of Tomorrow and I- then they called it Living on the Edge they changed the title one week into release I-
0: it's not called Edge of Tomorrow. It's no. called
1: Living on the Edge. If you look at the posters, they switched them out. It's like someone I know changed their kid's name when the kid was two
0: years old. Don't, it's almost as bad as that. That's a true that.
1: story. Don't do that. You can't even do that to a
0: dog. No, I, although your friend Mia did that. <laughs> yeah, but that was, that was different. This, I think they just said, hey, we missed that other name. That would have been a better
1: name. Wait, so you were saying you were clicking through, so all due respect to yeah. Doug Lyman.
0: And um they were being interviewed on their red carpet for the movie and everybody was great blah 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 talking about the movie, it was all nice and then Doug Lyman said, you know, this movie is a real labor of love. And I just thought this movie has a published budget of hundred and eighty million fucking dollars. That's not what I call a labor of love. A labor of love just doesn't mean you love something and work hard. It that that term comes to mean you work hard, you work for no materialistic give back, you don't get a big salary, you don't get a big trailer. A labor of love, edge of living
1: for tomorrow, what's living yeah, on the funny. edge of tomorrow? I think that's a, a really they should good... They called it living on the edge of, of tomorrow. tomorrow. On the edge again at the end. <laughs> I should have. But like that movie to me, uh, I really enjoyed it for what Let's it was. I really enjoyed yeah, it as a popcorn good. You'll really like it. It's way better than the materials make it seem like it is. And he's great. And Emily Blunt is spectacular. She's one of my favorite actresses. She she is so alive in the movie and they they I like I was um surprised by how good it is. I would say though that um Noah was a labor of love for Darren. I, be, I think, yes. I think that, even though it was a $150 I agree. million movie. You know, movie, you're right. And I tweeted the thing
0: about Labor of Love, and then there were people who came back and said, well, what about if you... And you're right, because I would cite Darren, and The Fountain was a Labor of Love.
1: Right. Sure. And they're big movies, yep. but um, I know what you mean, that everybody was getting paid to make that movie, um, to make Living on the Edge it's of Tomorrow. It's a payday. It's It's a movie where you're a labor of love.
0: If Darren Aronofsky asked me to be in a hundred million dollar movie and said he could only pay me scale plus ten, I'd say what time
1: do I have to be to work tomorrow? Well, you're a real artist, Alan, and you've always worked from that. Pl- you, you've, I mean, I, you've made a lot of choices like that along the way. <laughs> Bad choices along the way. <laughs> well, because, well, I was going to ask you what you, about goals. You know, I the, this you were asking me about podcasts in general, and I, I was saying that I started listening to these things um, when I would walk around New York City sometimes, and the, and when I would hear people getting to have real intimate conversations in a way that like, old radio kind of mm-hmm. did, um, something about it really drew me. And I, I made these rules for myself. If I, if I, if I were going to do it, I would only have people who fascinated me and who... who um, something about the way in which they lived their lives, and particularly in what, what I call like um, these moments, like inflection points, where something either great or really bad happened. And, and I think that people who are remarkable process those moments differently than the rest of us. And you've had, I think, a bunch of those moments. <laughs> I certainly have. In your life. And have managed to... And Not that many. But well, the
0: ones I had really knocked the shit out of me. Right. Well, <laughs> but you've had the great ones, too. I, I, I guess. I mean, Did maybe you didn't process them that way. I, I don't. I tend to undervalue uh, pretty much everything I do and every experience I have. What do you mean? Why? I don't know. You know, you think you'd give it up by the time you were 60 years old and start, like, looking at things at least objectively. But, I, I you know, it's who I am, and it's, it's not a good thing because it takes a lot of the joy. You know, I just always feel like I could be doing better and I could be doing more and I could be... I don't feel like I could be doing better when I go to work because when I go to work, I... I don't care what the movie is. I, I, can, I only have one speed. And what speed is that? It's like
1: 150%. When you're working, when yeah. you're
0: acting. Like even if it's something really terrible, I can't give myself a break and say, you know, you can coast through
1: this and still be great. I just can't do that. Well, no, that's cl- I mean, that's clear. I mean, I, I remember, this is what I was going to say, that when, when I met you on the first day of Ocean's... 13 you know you don't know what what to expect if you're me showing up there uh, i only knew one of the actors in in the cast well and the first three days it was just you and matt right. and matt is who who's mm-hmm. my friend and i remember you looking at us and as a uh, ba- and basically saying to us you know all right, what do I have to get do to get in the middle of this black like, Boy? <laughs> <laughs> well, first I was so happy to see
0: writers on the set because I know those guys with their improvising, which is not my strong suit. So I thought if I could get friends with those two, they could write my fake improvises. <laughs> well, yeah, it
1: was great because, like, really nobody improvised. That movie had no. very little improvising. No. Um, Hardly anything. So I-, I think everything I said was scripted. Yeah, but I remember you you were so overt about it. You looked at us and you said, okay, I'm going to have to work, you guys. Because <laughs> um, you guys are, like, in Matt's pocket, in front of Matt. <laughs> you guys are in Matt's pocket. <laughs> well, yes, that
0: was that. There was that. Uh,
1: and it was so much fun. I'm, and I, I turned to you because I was very, uh, somehow, you know, you just immediately uh, put everybody both at ease and on their toes because you're such a professional and you were so prepared. Um, and I, I turned to you and I said, you know, because of, I said, uh, you know, diner meant so much to me. And we talked about it. And then I ran through a couple of the movies and I said, and, you know, the Big Easy. And then I guess I got a little bit embarrassed. And you said, I know how old you are. And I know how old you were when you watched <laughs> the Big Easy. And <laughs> it seemed like you had so much fun. I, we did have fun. Yeah, we did. So we, I, I want to ta- talk. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. You talk. no, 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 no. no, no I mean, yeah. oh, here is what I was going to say. You were. You just mentioned Santa Mercy's and you said you were twenty eight years old. Yeah. When you got to start working in movies, uh, relatively late for an actress, it seemed mm-hmm. And so, what was it like to you as you were trying to make that, as you were trying to make that happen? Do you remember?
0: Yeah. I mean I I started late because I was uh oh, you know that I was going to say because I was studying but I was studying for 10 years and I think you could probably go to work a little sooner than that but I never went out on an audition until I was 26 years old I was I was I didn't I was afraid and I wanted to be really strong so that when they said no which I knew as part of the job that I didn't fall apart every time so I knew I was never going to be a genius I just wanted to be able to do what I do really as good as I can so so that I, I wouldn't and then I would you know I would make in the beginning I would make my, agents, my agent tell me all the terrible things people would say about me when I lost a job so I could fix the problem now, the most common, which is she's not pretty enough, or sometimes usually just, you know, she's too ugly. Like, you can ask Jerry, Warner Brothers thought I was not pretty enough to play the not pretty girl in Diner. And Jerry kept saying, you know, she's not supposed to look like she won the Miss America pageant. That That's not who this girl is. That's the other girl with the popcorn. Like, that's like the that's little... Carol, that's Carol that's Heathrow. The, Carol that's not Heathrow. Heathrow. Right. And they thought I was too ugly for the ugly girl. So, but some things I could tweak, you know, if they'd say not sexy enough, I'd say, okay. And, you know, I do, I mean, I'm much better now, but early on in my career, I had a um, bad reputation, I won't mince words, and I... Th- and it was somewhat deserved. Um, I went in with my dukes up. I went in fighting. It was just another version of the handball courts to me, and I was fighting for my time on the court.
1: And you felt like, you mean when you go going to audition or when you would go no, in? No, no, when I would get a job. You mean on set? Yeah. You were like, I am going to... I have to fight
0: for my space because nobody's going to give it to me. And quite frankly, people didn't.
1: You know I, how would that manifest itself oh come on Brian I mean you know yeah but people don't I would say this you, um, you, you, people you. don't understand how that works I mean I remember being on the uh, on the set of oceans you telling me a story about an actor we won't name the actor who would when you would say a line, take your line in the middle of the scene repeat it right <laughs> <laughs> right and that was a game you thought to like what to, to take the better material or to put you off your game like what was it about I, I don't think actors
0: do things for that reason i mean i've never come up against anyone that mean i almost think it's a it's a kind of subconscious thing and but but i think that look you know, it's a, it's a it's a story that's been told to death and a horse that's been beaten to death. But women do get treated differently on a movie set than men. And whether it's a man needing five minutes to prepare and just saying, just, "Can you just give me five minutes?" because he's like doing some big dramatic scene, and the version of the woman saying, "Can you just give me five minutes?" It's, you don't get the same reaction. There is a a feeling on the set that the serious acting is done by the men and women get their hair and makeup done. In the time I came up in the 80s, it was not, think of the late, think of the 80s and the 90s. This was not you know, the golden era for female actresses. And if you look at actresses of my generation, my age, not the ones that are a little older, not like Meryl Streep, Jessica Lang, Glenn Close, my girls,
1: no one works. Who do you define who are your girls? Julie's a couple she's younger than Younger,
0: you. that's a younger generation. It's a younger generation, and I shouldn't say no one works because there are exceptions, and we do work. Like I work yeah, all work the time. You work all the time.
1: But well, we, no, I have this down as a. I mean, actually, have this down to ask you about, which is that the men of your I, the men of your generation remain um, certainly remain movie stars. Yeah. Or they're given the chance over and over again to be right. movie stars. But
0: but but I think like okay, so where's Kim Basinger? Where Michelle Pfeiffer does a big studio movie? You know, every couple of years, um, I would exempt Annette Benning. Now she also came up after me and after Michelle, but right. it was Kim Basinger, Michelle Pfeiffer, Deborah Winger, Melanie Griffith, um, me, uh, Frances McDormand. I would exempt her as well. Yes. Um, Holly Hunter. Meg. Um, Meg Ryan. Uh, so that whole decade right, right. of women
1: Fran, right. have
0: like we're not really present on the movie screen now there are actresses my age who didn't really hit their let's say commercial right prime prime until they were 38 instead of well, younger yeah. and and they're still you know like it's it's someone like who I admire her work so much Melissa Leo right. Patricia Clarkson Frances Fisher Fran- or she Fran- well no that was theater right yeah Frances in movies right. was later later so they have the lock on the indie world because they came up later right and us kind of semi-studio girls Rosanna Arquette
1: I, I wonder if it's the women who started playing mothers sooner in a way some I of them I don't think that um, you think? What do you think it is? You think it's that the business, the men making the decisions? Like, how do you? Well,
0: I started to. I've started to think about it a lot this year because you know you do hear actors talking about it, and the truth is there are very few great roles in studio movies for anyone, but little indies. They are there for men, and they do do them more than they are for women. And then you know, I'm a big classic movie fan so I'm always watching TCM it's always on in my house and um, it's my husband Um, and I thought well wait a minute where did Barbara Stanwyck go she went to television by the time she was 50 years old Joan Crawford all those women and you know because I would I, I found myself thinking you know if I like hit the movies in the 30s and 40s I might have had a career with roles filled like Barbara Stanwyck not that I'm as brilliant as her but that's kind of a similar type you know she comes from the Bronx she's not conventionally pretty in any way but but it works but it works and then I thought oh Barbara Stanwyck's career was she was out of the movies by the time she was 50 Joan all all of them Right. Betty Davis went into horror films. Joan Allen still works. Joan Allen, she's one, came came up later, a little bit later.
1: Right. It's interesting. She more came up with Julie's generation. Even though she's, I think, closer to your age than Julie's. Is she Julie. 60? Maybe not. I don't, don't want to, but the point, I mean, I do think you're right, by the way, about, and it's not even thinking you're right. I mean, if you look at the movies that are made, and you look at the independent movies even that are made, for if you want to make a ten million dollar movie, there aren't that many women who can be at the center of them. No, men who can be the center. But even though, um, when people do that, the movies the movies work. do well. So it's a, you know, it's a. I mean,
0: do I think maybe something will shift? No, because when I look back, I think well, the same thing happened then, and. You know, yes, there are certain things I think, oh, wow, I'll never have done a great romantic film. Because now I'm too old.
1: You don't think you've ever done...
0: No, I never have.
1: I mean, I have all your movies here. I've never here. done a
0: period film right. outside of like a Western or something, or the
1: 50s, or... but a true costume
0: drama I've never
1: done. Well, that's what you were saying a minute ago before we got in here, I think that you feel like you made uh, a lot of wrong choices. Oh, terrible. I made and, terrible you, you mean things that you turn, took yeah. instead of turning them down? No, things that I turned down. And, and would it have been because of your personal life? Or? No. Uh, well, you know, I certainly
0: limited myself, as probably every actress does once they have children, because you just can't make three... In those days, it really did take you three months to make a movie. There was no version of a six-week schedule. Um so you work once a year. But it was it, it was mostly about the turndowns. I have a horrendous list of turndowns.
1: What would be the reason, usually,
0: that you would turn it down? Was it the director, like the script? Like my friend, who is my agent, will say the worst list of turndowns ever in Hollywood.
1: Well, What are what, some of the big ones you turned down? I can't, down. because well, someone sure you took can. those jobs. Yeah, but they No, you're kind well. of insulting them. You think you're insulting them by saying just name one? No, there must be an, some actress you don't like that you no. can then say the one movie. But uh, but they're big movies and and award winning, and uh, they movies. would have
0: really propelled my career. And I didn't just do it when I was
1: younger; I kept doing it into my 40s. And were you making your own decisions only? Would you have a group of people that you discussed? This I stuff always with? listened
0: to my agents, always, and sometimes. I wasn't given such great advice, but I would have to say most of the time I have to blame myself because I'm certainly strong enough to say, yeah, but I disagree. And I think the reason why when I started, I was an actor snob and it was all about who my co-star was. Right. I, re- I came from the theater and... I realized I wasn't going to have that kind of rehearsal relationship with the director. I hadn't yet figured out how you work with directors on films. So it was all about who I was acting with. And I was a snob. So if they said the name of, say, some big commercial movie star, I'd say, oh no. And right, oh, I'm not no. going to do that.
1: I'm not doing that. Well, that. Now, it could turn out to be an actor I deeply admire today. By but the at the way. time, that didn't make sense to you. No. You mean you can't? I mean, uh, one of my uh, kids. We always talk about the you, you can't swim in the same river twice. So there's no, I mean, there's no way you can sort of evaluate decisions um, and try to make amends for the bad decisions no. you made in the past. And,
0: and some decisions I made, like I did um, the movie Switch instead of let's just call it a watershed movie. And Now you got to say that movie. What movie was it? No. Okay. And I was not the only actress who had passed on that project. Right. And um, they did wind up with the greatest cast ever. But my reason—I mean, part of it—I had a, a, a my feminist hackles went up when they killed themselves because I thought, wait, that's how you end the movie.
1: Oh, right. Just oh, you, now we know what the movie was. But no, only we know. Not everybody knows. But you're saying you uh, and other actresses could have done it too. It's not like you're saying you were the only person. I had a tiny little issue with this script, but that wasn't it. I
0: did I made my choice based on how much I would grow as an actor by playing that role in Switch. That I was working with Blake Edwards. Right. A genius comedy direction.
1: No question about it. Go watch I three of his movies if one. you don't know that. That's right. For
0: sure. And I was playing a role that was going to require an enormous amount of work if I was going to get it right. And also, I had never done broad comedy
1: except on stage. Yeah, so then you make your decision. I mean, it's like athletes talk about, right. you know, you
0: shoot the shot. Right. So I know that if those... Two movies came to me right now today, I would make the exact same decision, even if I knew what would happen
1: if I had taken the other job. You would, because you're still that much of a purist, do you think?
0: I am a little, yeah, that's a, I, I am. Well, and, and I am about everything. Oh, that's like, yeah, that's why I hate nuts in my food.
1: <laughs> because you're still you are still somebody who actually, um, it's funny because you're very world. you are a world weary you have a world weary sensibility but you're still an idealist in some ways me? am I? well you think about what you just said about the art, you still want to make a decision from a pure place
0: well now it's like I'm 60 years old, going to work is hard and I. it's not you know it's it's hard it's hard work and i know it sounds frivolous but to say i'm not in a coal mine and i'm aware of
1: that but it still takes a lot out of you you still have the capacity to get uh despite it seems to me you still have the capacity to get like heartbroken by stuff like you're still um, emotionally alive to all this stuff as much as you want to coarsen yourself or do you not think so do you think you've 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 kill that possibility.
0: No, I'm very much emotionally alive to it, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, that means that when you stay emotionally alive, when you don't let everything you know uh, turn you to stone, it's it, it gets harder and harder. Yeah,
0: maybe. Ugh. <laughs> like, right now, there is a job I want very badly, and I know that if I don't get that job, it, I will feel like I felt when I auditioned myself out of Accidental Tourist. <laughs> how did you audition yourself out of that I, movie? I like, pretty much had that job, 99%. They right. were just calling me in to read just to see how fabulous I was going to be. And you went again? No, I went in, and I was terrible, and I didn't get the job. Because you wanted it too much? No, and I came, and I...
1: Why I, do you think you were bad? I was
0: such a good auditioner when I was young. I would beg for auditions. I was just had a bad day, and I remember walking out, called my agent, and I said, I just auditioned myself. Out of that role, trust me, they will not cast me. <laughs> oh, brutal. And you'll feel that way and now. And I felt bad. You're, I mean, there were a-, a couple of things. Like, I, I, I lost Brazil, after right. being attached to it for about a year and then it was gone and I had turned down a lot of work for it and it was I, I thought it was a brilliant script and I loved Terry Gilliam oh, so a, much such a great and, movie And then there was some... something happened, and my part was taken away, and I'd lost a shitload of money turning down jobs. Right. That pissed me off.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it is not a... But
0: it was not the fault of Terry Gilligan.
1: But it is not a business for weak people, and that... it's it's fascinating to me that you, at a young age, actually consciously built the inner resources. I mean, you're saying it now like it was conscious. Like you said, I'm going to make myself strong enough so that the failure I know is coming um won't be able to touch there'll be one part of me it won't be able to touch yes, did that it, work yes and it was conscious and i did
0: it because you know i was so battered around as a young child, as a teenager because what? i well i went to an acting high school remember yeah. and and i was really not the favorite i was like never cast in plays and it it did it really prepared me and then i had a real mentor in the when I was in college, in the director um, Lloyd Richards, who he's a, was a big theater director and the kind of foremost interpreter of all the Ato Fugard plays, and he was my acting teacher for almost four years in college, and um, he would always tell me the only power you have as an actor is the power to say no. You can never give yourself a job. You're not like a painter. You can't go in a room and paint. The only way you control this career of yours, if you have one, is by being very careful and conscious. And whatever those standards are, try not to veer. And in the beginning, my standards were all about my partners. I thought, if I'm dancing with... Robert Duvall and Al Pacino and Jack Nicholson and Mickey Rourke I'm going to be a so much better dancer. James Cagney I was in his and last movie. And Leo and, and baby De- Leo and, ba- Leo and, and De, Niro De Niro three times. Yeah, I mean I mean I learned more from Robert De Niro than than Jack Nicholson. I mean, it was like an acting school taught to me by actors. What
1: what did you learn from De Niro?
0: He was a great, um, he's just a great teacher of mine, I think, in in, in terms of, 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 of working with somebody and watching the way he does it. It really rubs off on you because you see how it works, that attention to detail and to what somebody might call minutia. It's like all those millions of little specks are, are what makes these great characters that he creates and the detail is like anything how many ice cubes did I put in my drink is my collar tab buttoned or unbuttoned and I realized yeah those things are all important and there you see a great difference when how how people treat men and how people treat women on a set because a woman could never get away with that you don't think any woman could get away with it? I don't know what it's like to be Meryl Streep. I really don't. And I I don't mean that facetiously in any way. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be that well-respected an actress. So I don't know. Maybe if I were Meryl Streep, I, mean, I, I wouldn't have my opinion. But remember, I wasn't... Like, I'm not an A-lister, and I never was. I was no, like, I had mean, a shot... Uh, and I walked the rope for a little while. You always get... You know, in my day, it was like if a movie made $70 million, you could have sev- ride on that movie for seven years. But then you had to show up again with another movie that made $100 million. And that was where I dropped
1: my... Well, own. but I think... I between, dropped both my balls. <laughs> but between... Uh, I mean... You know, I, I think you... I think, yes, now... The world is different, so I don't know who, as you said, who a movie star is or not, but I would say you've been a movie star since 1983, and that um, certainly, like a movie, you look at Sea of Love, that was a huge hit movie, and you can't say that when that movie hit, now Al might have gotten the majority of the sort of credit in a certain way, but you were... Star of that movie. That movie changed my career around.
0: Yeah. That's for sure.
1: I mean, you weren't, I don't think there's any way that you can't say you weren't an A list actor. But that was the movie that changed my life.
0: It took, or changed my career. It took me from an actor to, you know, my agent called me up on the phone. It was Sunday night. I was two weeks away from having a baby. And I was in my bath, and I remember she was about to tell me the grosses which i didn't even know what that word meant and she said congratulations you're a movie star and i remember i slid under the water and said oh fuck
1: because that's not what you wanted to be or because it finally happened i thought you know like that was when i went and did switch
0: instead of what could have been a a, a much different experience <laughs> even though I learned so much from Switch that I mean it I would do it again
1: today and I'm sure I mean I imagine that the, that they would have paid you more for Switch than that other movie same same paycheck really same paycheck both jobs well you really fucked that one <laughs> up because <laughs> yeah, you should have done it uh-huh. but so when you would hear from people because it, it's funny I talk to a lot of young artists as I know you do a lot of young people that want to do this stuff and they phasing rejection and sort of um, giving it a different language for yourself is uh, like incredibly valuable thing to do how did you translate that message um now had your parent, like did your mom tell you you were pretty like how did you try opposite right so what yeah you were told this is a foolish thing from the beginning yeah my father was very
0: concerned uh when i finally left my last waitress job because I was a regular on the daytime soap opera daytime uh, uh, search for tomorrow and he was very concerned that I I quit my waitress job and I was like dad I'm making four hundred and fifty dollars a day you can't you know my family didn't make that a we didn't earn that a week right and but he was very concerned so I was kind of um, Let's just say I was primed for the rejection. Right. <laughs> you already were made to I feel like a piece of it. shit every day. I was used to it. Not necessarily by my parents, but the the world I grew up in was a, a kind of rough
1: and tumble world, so So what happened when you obviously the like men in, in the world in your life you were getting forget Hollywood standards obviously like men would look you you knew you were attractive to men somehow. I I would guess. Um Or did you not?
0: As as, as I got a little older and I understood what... I think when you're... Look, it's so hard to talk about because even as I'm about to say it, I think, oh, this isn't germane in today's world because everything is so different because of the Internet. But, like, I didn't understand what the power of sex appeal was, for instance. So, well, it just we didn't grow up with the internet and it wasn't you know and, and and there was something about being a teenager in the late 60s early 70s that was so everybody was in fact equal and everybody was doing the same things you know it was hard there wasn't one girl sitting in the corner crying or something because she wasn't the pretty girl because that would have been me and, you know, I wasn't, but it took me until I was much older to realize, okay, you're not pretty, that we've always known, but you do have this other power, which has to do with sex.
1: Well, yeah, because you were, I mean, you were uh, uh, an enormous sex symbol. I guess so. And, and so much how much did that... my dismay. No, how did <laughs> it you... I fucked,
0: no. uh, fucked up all my hard work I did. <laughs> all those things i turned down
1: well that's what i was going to ask that's what you, happened is that those uh, which we'll get to and i the, kept
0: turning them down
1: <laughs> you kept turning what down i kept turning down more movies like that but you became a sex symbol by being in really great movies and or good movies that's true and but most of them were good yeah. that's what i'm saying like i mean the big easy no which, no
0: i don't mean mine i think if you think of my generation and all us a girls lot of them were. fatal attraction well, it was three. Fatal Attraction. Then came Sea of Love. Then came Basic Instinct. Right after it, then the lesser ones like Black Widow and whatever they were called. Uh, well, and and I was always sad I never made a movie with Brian De Palma. Just a you still? Tangent. I mean, you
1: still can. I, 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 I guess, but you still definitely can. Uh, I don't know how you and Michael Douglas have never. I oh I was in very strong contention
0: for the game. Another job I really wanted.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, I missed that. I
0: didn't get that part, but that was a job I really wanted.
1: Yeah, we really had thought a lot about you guys in that movie, Solitary Man. I made, uh, which is with Michael and Susan. But it had to be someone his age because yeah, they older. were in college I'm together. not old enough. Right? And there was no way we could believe that you were the same age. No, uh, thank you. As Michael. <laughs> well, but when you became a, a this sex symbol after those movies when you know the articles were all written uh, about your smile, your cro- you know crooked smile, the whole deal every compliment had like a
0: really flip side of it. I just like, heard... she looks like her you know I, I like someone once wrote like I looked like I'd just been in the ring with Muhammad Ali for twelve rounds, but <laughs> She's very pretty.
1: Like, wow! Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what did you t- tell yourself at the time when suddenly, like, it was obvious that you were being cast to be the hottest girl in the world? You were meant to be the same. You know, because the same people who were telling you, "Ah, she's not pretty enough," suddenly wanted you to play. You know, the most fuckable girl in, right. the, in that the thing. Well, that was my revenge. And you loved, so you loved that.
0: I liked it. Yeah, so when I was sent the script for Basic Instinct, as was every actress in Hollywood, I said, I'll take the meeting, but I'm going to pass, because I just did this movie. (laughs) It would have been my next movie after Sea of Love. Right. And I said, do they really, like, why would they even want to meet me, Paul? hoping. why would he why I, I was just in a version of this movie where I, mean, I
1: didn't kill the guy do you think that part of you because you were so pure about who you wanted to work with and what you wanted to do was there a part of you that um didn't want to chase after the success part yeah what, what do you think that's about was it about your child what's that about I'm not going come with me to therapy. Do you know yet have you figured have you, <laughs> you solved it for yourself?
0: I think the fear of success has certainly been um, a, a, a big operating force in my life and and after a while it wasn't fear of success. it was just you know what let's let's just keep it a, 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 a at arm's length. I'm doing okay And you know I did not I certainly did not seize my moment. And then when I was offered other moments, I also didn't seize that. So I was still doing it into my 40s. Now I'm, I mean, it, only now have I learned that kind of only work begets work. And, you know, there is something to be learned from every situation, really. I mean, it doesn't mean I'm still not careful about my choices, but I'm not a snob anymore. And um, I'm not as judgmental as I was. Because I've learned a lot. I, I mean, on the other hand, I don't. I also don't want any more bad experiences. You know, as you get older, you kind of say, and it's a cliche, but it's right.
1: I'm just too old for this shit. Yeah, you don't want to deal with uh, an obnoxious, no. pushy director, a co-star who's uh, a jerk. No, I, I don't want to. I don't want to fight those fights. And yet we won't talk about it, but I and I, it, it occurred to me when you're talking about the the parts, I, we won't say the specifics so we don't hurt anybody's feelings, but you called me uh, a couple months ago to talk through a scenario. Uh-huh. And it was like, I know this director, you said to me, I know this director can't really direct, but this part itself is great. Mm-hmm. And I heard in your voice, like, you almost, you... You were just hoping that someone in your life that you trusted would say do it. I was. And none of us said it, no right? No one. And so you had to let it go. I did. But <laughs> but you knew it would never was it even though you knew the final movie wasn't going to be great, you thought the experience of getting to to act that part. Yeah. would have been tr- transcended in some way
0: for you. I would have learned something. I'm I'm you know, you're always looking to learn something if you're I mean, you are. I think most people are right even if you're a lawyer you're looking to you know I don't think it's solely for creative people or but I I, and I you know that's true like I was so close and I knew the movie would be a dog I knew it but I just thought you know this is a good part it's hard and it's good and I'm but then then ultimately I said, Look, I can't get one person to agree with me and that's I might as well just go do a monologue in my mirror. I'll be good there too.
1: Well yeah. I mean <laughs> you no, know, I mean you have you considered trying to put a, a one woman show together? Oh I can think of nothing worse. It's it's
0: there are a few things in my life I never want to do and Why? one of them is to be on stage alone.
1: <laughs> you like working off somebody. Yes.
0: I see no reason to be on a stage alone. Even though I love, no, I don't. I like stand-up comics, but I am not a fan of the one-man, one-woman show format. Monologues? You no, don't take monologues? I don't like it.
1: I don't like it. Right? You want to play? You want to somehow play catch yeah. with people?
0: And honestly, all really, I would love nothing more than to go back on stage right now. But it, three things have come my way. They have all been
1: one person on the stage and I'm like you know, it's so not interesting I'm to thinking me. about this thing you said and like other women are popping into my head who who work you know Patricia Clarkson but what occurs to me and you were hinting at it, and I think you didn't want to say it when you were accepting certain people not all of them not Annette Benning, but is that you and Kim and Meg and Melanie you guys were all Patricia actors Arquette. but you were all actors but you were all sex symbols also and you were yeah. all. Cons- Madeline Stowe. Right. Where is Madeline Stowe? were all. Stowe? And I would say, you know, that, that documentary that De- they did, the Deborah Winger documentary, um, or I could think Rosanna Arquette Rosanna made it. Rosanna did it, yeah. But it's called In Search of Deborah Winger. Yes. And it's about your generation I saw it, of yeah, actresses. Of course, I saw it. And
0: why. Rosanna and I, we When I was coming up, me, Rosanna, and Michelle were close friends, Pfeiffer. Rosanna, at this point, got offered everything first. Michelle got offered everything second and I got came in at a third so we'd all know if Rosanna turned something down Michelle would have a shot if she wanted it I'd knew if she turned it down I'd have a
1: shot how did you guys know That's each other how, how did we, you know each other we
0: just became friendly you, you know in those days we would meet at auditions and Rosanna I've been close friends with for since she was a teenager and, probably and do you think she still wants to work all the time I, like. I think she works a lot now she does a lot. Everybody does a lot of television. She's right. been on Girls. Yes. But, oh, I know I was already friends with her because I was also almost cast in Desperately Seeking Susan. I was thinking of that movie. But when Rosanna was, and
1: I were already very good friends. By the time she got that, when yes. she got that part. It did yes. That. But some of those other women, the way that they came to Diane the Diane Lane. Yes. She's still, she's she She works a lot and she's Yes, younger. she's one who's... Works and even though an enormous amount. And what's funny she became a, I mean she started uh, she was a child. Yeah. She was really a child actress right in the Essie Hinton movie mm-hmm. when she was young. Yeah. Um and and but, she's
0: you know commercially viable but she's only 50 and not even I think I think she
1: might be 48. Know, it's 49. interesting many of those women it, it has to do with I think the The way that they were thought of or valued. That's right.
0: We were valued as sex symbols, and now what do you do with us? Because we're not, those men don't want to think we're sexy anymore. It's, I guess it is that, you know, feminist harangue, which in a positive way, which is their somewhat threatened by you know also we weren't just sexy we weren't sexy and kittenish we were really potent and powerful like sexual voracious and now they figure oh my god that's probably even worse or more or or, well now they're not sexy anymore so let's just then what can they
1: do yeah or like psychologically it's uh Well, if I have to look at her and, you know, she's old, what does that mean about me? Yeah. What am I then? I know. And whereas some of those other actresses, they they weren't even engaging in that game then. That's right. And so they, you know, I mean, Fran has played roles. McDormand, who's just a monstrously incredible actress. The best. You know, I think she rarely played a character who traded on that in early in her career blood simple i mean, yeah there were a couple femme of roles fatale. she was a femme fatale in that movie. First a, movie a couple of then she was married to the director who Slips. cast her and yeah. i mean then ended up married to the director right. who cast her in other movies but then fran i mean if you think about the trajectory of her career it was almost character parts that happened to be lead mm-hmm. parts in movies yes and so our relationship with her became different which ideally that would have been my ideal career well that's how it started for you in a way I mean, Beth in in Diner. Yeah, it was this nice support turn. And in a movie that... Did you guys know... Did you know when you were making it that it was an incredibly special thing? I think once we... Yeah. I would say so once I got there. Yeah. Here's what's interesting about that performance, and I think about you, and different, I think, with you, Ellen, than many of the women you're talking about, which is, even though in life you might say, you might make a joke to any of your friends about wanting to look pretty or being vain or getting, you know, making sure, whatever. You have a remarkable lack of vanity in your work.
0: I think you have to to some extent as an actor. I, I really think it's a necessary thing. I don't know how you do it, especially if you're going to continue doing it. I don't know how you do it if... Um, you're trying to cover it with some blush or lipstick, or you know i I don't know how you act and and maintain vanity. I really don't. I think it's the first kind of possible quality that you've gotta throw out the window or else you're just not as good as you can be,
1: probably, but you do know a lot of movie stars yes, are unwilling to work without vanity,
0: yes. But they're not people whose careers I'm so interested in watching, you know. I think the actors, uh, because I, it's the first thing that's got to go. Like, you got to get rid of your brain to some extent, the kind of intellectualizing part and work from the emotional part. And you got to get rid of your vanity. That's it. If you could do that, then you could figure all the other stuff out
1: yeah well that's why you became i mean th- that to me is that you were obviously incredibly gifted but you were willing i mean when you look at what that character beth is willing to do you know someone could have played all those moments incredibly cute you know, in an, really? with a lot of <laughs> yeah i mean the moment when you know you go to him and you say you know was i really good and he says one of the best my favorite scene i've ever done in my life still i think so yeah very much well it's incredible you have two the two of you working at the very top of your game I think it's pretty much my favorite filmed moment
0: when I say what, was I I don't know if I'm pretty in the beauty salon yeah yeah I think it's my my best most honest film moment but I think like I I just don't know what you do if you're worried about how your face smunches up when you cry. I don't. And sometimes I would look at women and I'd say, wow, look how still they're able to keep their faces and the tears are just rolling out. Let me see if I could try that and not make that already fucked up face
1: even worse. But that's what made you so (laughs) real and approachable and made people want to... If you look at that, you you look at the big easy and you're sort of like... Not, not having Well, mo- you're not having movie sex in that No, market. and
0: I also don't start out as a glamour puss in any way,
1: you know. And, yeah, you were willing to show, like, um, need in a way that very often people won't. Thank you. That's a, this is a nice thought.
0: Well, I think those are the interesting things to, to kind of explore. You know, it's all... And, and, and things change. It's like, you know, as you go through life, you take roles about, that are kind of reflective of what you're going through in some way. Like, I very much, this boy's life was offered to Deborah Winger before it was offered to me. And that was a loss that I really hurt me. I really wanted that job. And, um, Deborah Winger turned it down, and then I got offered it. And I know the reason it was so important was because I had just become a mother. Right. And I really wanted to explore the all the ways in which you can be a mother. And here's a way that's not such a great way. And I yes. thought, you know, so I, I wanted those jobs. But she was also managed to be nice and, you know, kind of sexy, too. So
1: it was... A, well, and a great... I mean, another great performance, but a great movie. You know, a great Just movie. a great movie with three great performances, and more than that, the, too. Yeah. And do you think um, when your personal life became such a huge focus in the media, for someone who's really an artist, how did you reconcile it. Did you say to yourself, well, if I don't work for a while, I don't work for a while. And I don't want, I don't have any interest in talking about who you were married to, but it's about when that happened and you became this society, you know, what, what people thought the society woman. Uh-huh. <laughs> how, like, how did you right? I mean, that's what happened. Is that what people... Well, right. I mean, you were suddenly, uh, it was all about the parties at the Hamptons Well, house. I stopped working. Yeah, and why? You wanted to stop working? No, certainly not. Right. But you knew you were willing to pay
0: the price? Well, you know, honestly, I was 45 years old. I was not getting offered the best jobs of my life. I probably, a year or two before, I would probably turned down maybe four movies I really should have done. So I wasn't thinking, you know, I wasn't making good choices. Yeah. And I thought, I'm just going nowhere from here. <laughs> like I've turned down four bad movies I mean my agent said you know you could just go to the Oscars any year and see three people sitting in the seat on um, parts she turned down now part of it I would say yeah but maybe if I did it I wouldn't it wouldn't have called it wouldn't have garnered that much attention because either it was something I had done before right. or they were too familiar with me but I wasn't I wasn't getting offered the kind of work that excited me, and then I I was in a situation where work, you know, just wasn't on the table, and I d- I didn't really notice anything else.
1: Did you miss mm-hmm. the work itself? Yeah, very.
0: I started to. Yeah, I mean, at first I thought, well, this is you know maybe okay. I don't have to. Because I thought, gee, I'm just going to have to spend the rest of my life doing, like, bad work. And then when I was not um, able to work, yeah. uh, I thought, good, now I don't have to m- make bad movies. But after about three years of that, I, and then I taught for two years at the New School at their MFA Actor's Studio Program, and I found that extremely rewarding. But I did uh, do, like, a couple of movies in that time. I did Palindromes with Todd
1: Solon. Oh, yeah, who's a great director. And, and that you're...
0: really got me thinking.
1: I was going to ask you, yeah.
0: Like, I loved working with him, and I thought, okay, I've, I'm not done. I still have things to say, and there are still directors out there who will let me say it.
1: That's totally true, and that's still the attitude that you uh, have, I, I hope. Um, yes. Y- you know, uh, I just want to say, even though this isn't a movie you're in, Poundrum's a great movie, Storytelling's a great movie, but if if people out there haven't seen this movie, Happiness, Happiness by a Todd Solondz, Just one of I the mean, great movies he, ever. He is not always... His movies are not always... Perfect, but he's a genius. I, mean, that's I would not, agree. We're not using that. We're, we're and 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 happiness. Um, is a very important movie. Uh, don't watch it with your kids anywhere nearby if you're going to watch it. No, don't. Uh, but it's really a movie worth seeing. Uh, we can we'll, we'll finish up, and I really could talk for forever. But um, we didn't even get to like my opinion. It's about the world. That was you. Nugget. No, no, it's not me. My phone's out there. In I the turned other room. my phone
0: off.
1: Really? Yeah. Uh, I didn't wait. Uh, <laughs> No, it's, it's definitely not me, because mine's off. But it doesn't matter, Ellen. It does When right, Well, then we can talk about your opinions about the world, <laughs> which, by the way, people can go to Twitter and see every once in a while no, Ellen's runs about her opinions about the world. No? Well, yes,
0: sometimes. You know what I don't like on this Twitter bullshit is I don't like getting yelled at if I don't just talk about movies. Talk about whatever you want, Ellen. Like, no, I know, but the response... Like, I get it. It's, we're listening to, pe- I'm, people are talking about what they, how they fucking filled their car up with gas. Why do I always have to hear, stick to your own business, you... My question is, <laughs> why
1: do you want to read and listen to what they I say? Love, you know, I in the beginning, I used to answer all the bad things. I remember. Things. I remember right when you came on Twitter. and uh, When you, you
0: someone were... called me a washed up old hag, I asked him if he wanted to come to my house and rub
1: my brand new tony award (laughs) there you go well what you really should do is you should uh just retweet those things without without i used to but then you realize
0: that they get so much more you open up your world to them
1: but that's the thing you say you say uh you say um uh you can't accept the you know feel as good about the positive but tony award emmy award a lot of golden globe nominations a couple of them she, just, Ellen just looked at me put two fingers up like just <laughs> two I mean most people have none <laughs> I have t- a lot of theater awards for the normal heart I have like a lot like uh, yeah a lot <laughs> um, because you know you're one of the finest actresses of your generation which you can't accept really. no I still don't I, I don't I think my best girlfriend Julianne
0: Moore is really one of the finest actresses of uh, of the generation
1: I couldn't agree more but that
0: to me, like I can't do what she does. Well, Julie's incredible. I mean, uh, if you're actors at, who do things and like I, I can't. What can't you do that she does? I can't totally turn myself into another person. Like if I played Queen Elizabeth, it would be me as Queen Elizabeth. Julie would not exist and it would be Queen Elizabeth. I don't. It's not a skill I have.
1: Oh, I got to go through all your movies and, and figure that out. But I can play characters that are unlike me. Yeah, there's none of you in the Ocean's Thirteen character, but <laughs> uh, in in Abby, there's none of you and, in. And in, that in, is in, why in, a, you cast me. In Abby, but but in, uh, in Julie, you know the great moment with Julie. It's a little tiny moment, but that moment in Magnolia. Ugh at the desk, at the, just at the desk. it's just incredible and that's just a little thing that's happening in her face mm-hmm. you just feel somebody 100% present mm-hmm.
0: yeah 100% there present. yeah
1: and it's i don't know her well i'm only spoke to that's spent, something
0: i learned from robert de niro it, to be present it's the presentness yeah well, how, how how what did he do to stay present? Did you that's think? what he that's how he acts he's like connected he notices everything there's nothing he misses you blink an eye he responds to it you don't blink he responds to it you cross your legs he's so alive and just like buzzing buzzing that uh, you can watch a close-up on his face where he doesn't have a word of dialogue the uh, last night i was watching casino and there are all these scenes where he's just there he has no dialogue and he might as well be having a 30-page monologue yeah you see every thought everything the wheels turning, is what Mickey Rourke would always say. That's what makes... Well, m- That's the difference between an actor and a movie star, I think he would say. A movie star is someone who can... Where you see the wheels turning. And De Niro, to me, it's just...
1: You see everything. But one of the reasons I think people... Movie stars become movie stars, and that you did become a movie star, is the very thing you just said, which is that even when you're playing this character, and we're going through the catharsis of you playing the character, it is still... You. And so we attach to you. And you see, you're making an unbarking face right now, the squishy, (laughs) crooked smile of agreement that you, but you don't want to even. Because maybe,
0: because it's not such a good thing. Like, I wish I could do what Julie Moore does. I wish I could,
1: like, be completely invisible. You know what's so funny is that no two men, no man would sit here. No. Al would never sit here, Pacino, yeah. and say I oh. wish I could do oh. what Bobby. Did. I mean it's never it would never happen. And isn't that why a woman
0: should be president? Because uh, we are so much I very more... much want a specific oh, woman to be president. Then... I'm with
1: you. And uh, I'm with I'd a, like a, a woman named Elizabeth Warren to be my president. She's great. She's not going to be president in 2016. No, I know. But she's terrific. There's no argument there. There's going to be another woman who has a real Just shot at before, it. Just before after the revolution in this country. So Go. if you look at what your ambitions were at the beginning. How... To not
0: be a waitress. To be able to earn a living by acting. That was the only goal I have ever had in my life then you must feel like a tremendous success. I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> but that was it. But and you... I would have been... Like, Julie and I talk about this all the time. If it all went away... I mean, now there are no more daytime soap operas. But the truth is, we'd both be very happy to go back
1: to the daytime
0: soap operas and just earn our living there. Uh,
1: just acting? Acting. Well, you are you are somebody who's... Uh, done that so congratulations <laughs> and i i'm so uh, i'm so touched that you came and, and did this podcast ellen you are uh, a legend for a reason and you're also you are a legend for a reason <laughs> and uh and you are um legendarily great Aww. so thanks for this um thank you for this i'm sorry everyone should know i did i was
0: late I was late. That was bad behavior coming up here today. <laughs>
1: you can listen. Like the scale of showbiz uh, is, you know, it goes uh, whatever movies, television, radio, and way below radio podcasting. You can be late. For no, the but to me,
0: lateness is the worst because basically it's like you might as well just. I, I think of lateness like I think of people who wear hats. It's like a big giant sign that just says, "Look at me." And I don't mean a winter hat to keep
1: your head. I anymore. know exactly what you mean.
0: And being late forces all activity to stop and people to notice you. And I have like a 15 minute
1: lateness. But issue. you were sending me texts about how hard you were trying to get here <laughs> I feel and bad you were when I'm late. It didn't uh, bother me at all. No, I really appreciate it. You should. You were saying before that you were thinking about doing something like this of your own on your own and uh, <laughs> with cameras. I think we would all watch <laughs> if you did but it. But would you come over and talk to me? Would I come to your house and. and, and mm, yeah. Would you would com- I come Would you where- be
0: on my podcast?
1: 100%. It would be would? my pleasure. It would be an honor to be on your podcast. And um, Ellen is on Twitter. She's uh, opinionated. And encourage her not to just talk about movies on there. Tell her you like when she talks about other stuff. I'm on Twitter uh, at, at Brian Koppelman. Thanks so much for listening. Ellen Barkin, you uh, made me very happy by being here. Thank you. Thank you. You made me very happy by honoring me with the request. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earbuds, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.